Thank you for joining us for the Anchor Baptist Broadcast, a ministry of the Anchor Baptist Church in Pisgah Forest, North Carolina, with our pastor, Dr. Randy C. Barton. Our services are also live streamed on Facebook at Anchor Baptist Church. We now go by recording to the sanctuary of Anchor Baptist for a message from Pastor Barton. Stand with me, take your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. I want to do just a Bible study tonight, share some thoughts that I've been working on for a long time, and I'm still not satisfied with uh, exactly where I'm at, but uh, this will be an installment at it anyway, all right? I'm looking at a question that's being asked, and to get a little background, I want to go to Matthew 22 and in verse number 34. The... Uh, you see that we're at the place that they are tempting Christ. They are uh, what they're—they're they're up to no good. They're trying to a terminology we would say would be set him up. It's a setup. They're trying to find something by which to accuse him. And of course, he has just got through uh, setting the Sadducees down. He shut them up. All right, And they had asked him a question uh, about the resurrection. <clears throat> now the thing about it is, this is in verse 23, the problem is the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So to them it was a rhetorical question because there was no resurrection. But if there was a resurrection, and in other words to prove their point that there wasn't, what if a guy died and had a wife and, and, then, and, 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 and then his brother uh, took her and died, and the brother, and, and it kept going to all of these brothers uh, until seven. Whose wife is she? Well, the Lord shut them up. He said, uh, "You don't understand. You, just, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven." But he does mention this. But as as touching the resurrection of the dead. Uh, he, he does reinforce that. And uh, look what it says, though, in verse number 34. When the Pharisees had heard that they had put the Sadducees to silence. Now, remember, Sadducees and Pharisees, they're, they're enemies. So the Pharisees, they're kind of glad that he set the Sadducees down. They kind of like that. But they're also up to no good. This is one of the few times the two group ever come together was to, to condemn Christ. And so when they heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, and probably a lawyer meaning a scribe, asked him a question, tempting him and saying. So the Bible is very clear what they were doing. But I'm glad the Lord would use the wrong motive to give us positive truth. I'm glad the Lord used people's wickedness to bring out things that we needed to hear. He was a master at that. He would turn it on them. And he would educate, not only make them look foolish, but he'd also educate 
the masses in doing so. And uh, they ask him in verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? I'll skip verse 37. Look at verse number 38. He said this after his quote, but this is what he said in verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. That's what I'd like to title this study tonight, the first and great commandment. Now let's look at verse number 37. Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Let's pray. Father, help us, I pray tonight, to try our best to expound the scriptures. And Lord, I pray you'd speak to some heart as you've spoken to mine about this passage in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Please and be seated. Now let's back up a little ways and remind, remind, are you reminded of the fellow, the rich young ruler? Remember him? Remember the rich young ruler? And he said, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord Jesus said, commandments. And he said, these have I done from my youth. Well, the problem with that is that no one's done that from their youth. No one's ever done that. Name a man, woman, boy or girl that has loved the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. Bottom line is, if we can't get past the first commandment, what makes you think we're going to get the other nine? Oh, I keep the Ten Commandments, really. <laughs> Do you now? <laughs> well, if that's the case, if you keep all the Ten Commandments, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Because if you love the Lord God more than anybody else, You'd do anything he asked you to do, right? He said, okay, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. You love the Lord more than anything else. That's awesome. Sell everything you got, got give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he said, uh-oh. Because he had what? Much riches. Did he love the Lord more than his riches? No. So had he fulfilled number one, the, number, the first one? Mm-mm. His riches were his God. And therefore, he had, he had failed. I heard someone say, oh yeah, he, he probably had kept those. No, he hadn't. Nor has anyone else. In other words, when Moses come down off the mountain and the children of Israel read the Decalogue, they should have hit their faces in the dust right on the spot and say, we can't keep this. What was the songwriter that said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love? And somebody said, well, preacher, I, 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 that ain't my problem. Well, I'm just saying that it's interesting how that sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's bitterness, sometimes it's wrath, sometimes it's lust, sometimes there's just a whole variety of things that claim our attention. And uh, you, you talk to someone, it don't take long to find out what someone's interests are. You can find out what someone's interests are. Well, looking at their automobile a lot of times. See what kind of stickers are on the back of it. 
You can find out where someone's interests are in the doctor's office, waiting in line. You know, you, you, find, you I mean, people will bring up their interests. Boy, they like this, they like that, they like the other. And it's amazing to me all the different things that people do, and I mean they do it religiously. And you, and you go, yeah, and what church do you attend? Oh, well, I don't, I don't have time to go to church. <clears throat> Why? Well, I, that's, that's the day we go to the ball games. That's the day we go to the races. That's the day we go bass fishing. That's the day we spend time with the family. That's the day we do all these different things. And the Lord said, thou shalt have Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is that what he said in Deuteronomy 6, 5? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, I've turned it inside out and upside down. I, I want to focus on the passage in just a moment, particularly on three phrases. But when the Lord said this is the first and great commandment, When you think about first, not necessarily the first in the order of time, but certainly first of importance, because if you get this one right, that that uh, if you take your Bible, if, if they were they were what we call uh, the first slate and the second slate of the commandments, and the first slate was Godward. The second slate were manward. The first slate, if you love the Lord thy God, you ain't got to worry about the rest of those things on there. If he's first and supreme, all those other stuff, you can check those boxes. They're done. You got that first slate. And then if we drop on down and he said, and the second's like unto it, love our neighbors and stuff, you ain't got to worry about lying, swearing, uh, coveting. You ain't got to worry about any of those things. You'll see all of that's taken care of in loving thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah, so that's, that's, so that's your second part of it. So basically he summarized Moses and the prophets when he made those two statements. So certainly this is first is important. Uh, and it's, it's, I heard one writer say it this way, it's the fountain of all the other things. So this is the fountain of all the rest of it. And that, that, that sounds good. And I read after one fellow who said this. And I don't typically quote people, but you'll know that's not mine if I, if I say it, so I'm going to read it to you. As God is the most excellent and glorious of all beings, he is to be loved supremely. If he is, if he is loved aright, then our affections will be directed toward all created objects in a right manner. In other words, if we get God in his right place, everything else will take its place in line. If we'll get God in his right place, everything else will find its place and take its place. So let's, let's put into the passage. Okay, now you, you know my rule. I don't quote Greek words to try to impress you, all right, because it's not going to mean a thing to you. Uh, I, I study the Greek. Somebody said, You study? Yeah, I do. I study the Greek. Texas or Septus? I do. Study the Greek. Study the Hebrew. Master of the Hebrew. Don't know much about it, but I study it. 
and try to, I'd use it not to correct the Bible, but to expound the Bible, to, 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 uh, to, to dissect it, to make it big, to make it much. Does that make sense? Okay. And so, uh, bottom line, uh, I, I try to make it bloom, try to make it blossom, and so we go back and we look at words. The first phrase is found, the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Now it's interesting that those two words are used, the Lord thy God. Two phrases, the Lord thy God. Apparently there's a lot of little L lords, but he's the big L lord. And apparently there's a lot of little g-gods, but he's the big g-god. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and then he says this, with all thy heart. With all thy heart. Does everybody know what a cardiologist is? Everybody know what cardiac means? You know what cardiovascular exercise is? Cardio. You actually just said a Greek word. That's the word here, cardia. And it means it's, 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 the, it's the blood pump, and that's why the doctors are called that. It's the chief organ of the physical body, okay? Therefore, the heart, it's the chief organ. The Bible says in Leviticus 17 that the life of the flesh is in the blood, and so that which pumps your blood is the most important thing that you have. They used to teach us in CPR that to do CPR on somebody, you would do so many chest compressions and stop and give them a breath. Then you'd do some more chest compressions and stop and give them a breath. They've now decided don't do that. In the advent of AIDS, COVID, and the fact that they realize that the blood, has a, that the blood carries a great amount of oxygen with it, that you no longer, that, that pause is deadly. That pause to give that breath is deadly because you stop the rhythm and stop the circulation. And now they say, don't stop. As a matter of fact, the modern means of, of, of CPR takes three people. One stands behind the other. This person, typically, you straddle the person to be able to get the right uh, you know, the right pressure, you lock your elbows and you, you grab the top of your hand and you compress the chest. The, if you've ever done it on a machine, on one of those mannequins, it's staggering how far you've got to push that thing. And it's also staggering how hard it is to push that thing. It's also amazing how wore out you get pushing that thing. I've done CPR on three people in my life, and I lost all three. But my purpose was just the, just the, the heart. I didn't do respirations, but I, did, did, but, but I was doing chest compressions. And one of the things that I learned, and it's, it's kind of unnerving, if you're doing it right, you will hear things popping, like your neck pops and your back pops. You're actually breaking that cartilage. If you're doing the compression like you're supposed to, to get in there and actually massage the heart muscle, you're breaking cartilage. 
And that's particularly tough when you've got a trauma patient because they're broke up anyway. But I had an actual, I had a cardiologist who died. And the wife found him. He was warm because he was in bed. And so she said, you know, she, I said, when's the last time you saw him? She said, I said last night. So I check him, and, and he's, he's cold, and he's starting to show signs of, you know, he's been down some time. But then the paramedics come in and said, what do you want us to do? And she said, what do you mean? She said, what, do, you, do you want us to work him? What do you want us to do? And she said, yes, I want you to save my husband. Well, <laughs> okay. So we do the whole thing. We drag him out of the bed, and we start. And so I, you know. But today you do CPR just for, a, just for a minute and then the next person steps in and don't even, you're not even supposed to miss a beat. And the next one rotates around and you do it again and you keep doing that until you can no longer do it or until help arrives or until, you know, you, you, you keep doing that. And if you're by yourself, you know, you can't do it long, I will say that. But they found out that, that if your heart is not beating, you are not living. The absence of breath does not constitute the absence of life. Can I say that again? The absence of breath does not constitute the absence of life. The old timers, I mean years ago, they would take a mirror and hold it under your nose see if you, would, if you, could, if you could fog a mirror. And if you fogged a mirror, you were still alive. Your heart can still be beating. You still be alive. And you ain't breathing a little bit. Matter of fact, you can go a pretty good while without breathing, they found out. But you can't go very long at all without that heart beating. And when they call it, when they call your when they call you dead, it's when your heart stops. And not until. Until your heart stops. A meaningful rhythm that's pumping blood. Now your heart may lay there and quiver and carry on and send all these you know, random things down, but I'm talking about has a that you have a, a viable pulse. That's when you die, not when you stop breathing, but when you stop, your heart stops beating. Now, here's the question. Why is it that if across America and around the world, life stops at the end of the beating heart, why is it that we don't recognize life starts at the beginning of a beating heart? Why is that? Why is that? We're supposed to be advanced, aren't we? But yet we contradict ourselves. That's a contradiction. So the chief organ, the physical part of life. But the word became, it became, it began to stand for man's entire, all of the emotional elements of man. So when we talk about the heart at Valentine's Day, same word, but we're not talking about the blood pump. What are we talking about? We're talking about the seat of emotion, right? And can I say it this way? The, the, the center of, the, of man's inward life. And I read one fellow who said the heart is used figuratively for the hidden springs of the personal life. And so, I'm, I don't mean to, to try to box in, and this is all this means. 
But what I want to try, I'm trying to pare it down where I can figure out what it means. Somebody said, well, that's easy, preacher. I mean, love of the Lord with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, and all your mind, that's easy. Is it? Is it really? Because from the, from the way that it's used and from the context that it's used in and from looking at a bunch of other scriptures, I mean, in scripture it's, it's, it's used for the seed of the moral nature, it's used for the seed of spiritual life, it's used for the seed of grief, it's used to express desires, affections, thoughts, perceptions, understandings, reasoning, power, imaginations, conscience, intentions. Uh, there's just a whole lot of broad things. But what is it the Lord's wanting to say in this passage to us? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, first of all, and what, what and I, I believe that I can, I believe when I, I'm not saying this is the only one, but when I put them together, I think it'll make sense. That we are to, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy devotion. That's the part of the heart I'm looking for. When you give a heart at Valentine's Day, what are you saying? That's, you're trying to show your devotion, right? You're trying to show your feelings, right? Now, when we, we say we have devotions, when we say we get up and we have devotions, I just came through a series on prayer uh, concerning the, the Lord's Prayer and in three, the three-part series. And it's interesting, what's the first thing that the Lord's model prayer, the pattern of prayer, what's the first thing the Lord emphasized? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First and foremost. What's that doing? That is showing our devotion. Is that right? That's our devotion. Now, somebody said, well, that means, devotion means our feelings, right? Right? In any relationship, feelings breathe. Feelings inhale and feelings exhale. And that's normal in the human relationships. You ever had somebody that wanted to be buddy-buddy with you and they wanted to be so buddy-buddy with you you couldn't breathe? He won't give you no space. I mean, they just want to move in with. I mean, they're just you know, they'll be such you know such friends. They just you know they're always in, they're always there. You ever, you know you know what I'm talking about? Almost an infatuation. You see, relationships breathe. It's true with man and wife. And there are times that you feel more in love with your wife than at other times. And again, that's normal and that's natural. But what I want you to understand is the word devotion's deeper than feeling. 
Because while you may not feel in love today, it does not lessen your devotion to your wife when that pretty girl walks by. Why don't you look? Because I'm devoted. You understand? If all your devotions are is are feelings, and let me tell you something, I like feelings. I like it when, I, I mean, I like to feel God. I like it. But devotions when you get up and you read your Bible and you pray whether you feel like it or whether you don't. And boy, sometimes God will come and, woo, it gets good in the closet. And then there's been times that you ain't found God in the closet in a while. But does that stop you from going in there? Why? Because your feelings? Mm-mm. Something bigger than that. Something more, something stronger than that. Devotion. Okay. Devotion. So, if, if we are to love Him with all of our faculties and with all our powers then that means we're to love him supremely, right? And if we're to love him supremely, then that means more than all beings, including our family, and all things. Is that right? If he's supreme and he's first, then everybody else is second, third, fourth, fifth, right? So... If we love the Lord with all of our heart, that means that we have fixed our, for lack of a better word, our affections on Him. We fixed our devotions on Him. I think devotion is a bigger word than affection. I think our devotion is a bigger word than a feeling. I think it's a broader word. But if we fix, fix, fix our affections on Him supremely, more strongly than on anything else that exists, then like that rich young ruler, we ought to be willing to give up anything he asks us to. Just all he got to do is mention it and you're willing to give it up. If indeed we love him with all of our heart. You thought about that? If indeed we love him with all of our heart. I'm talking about our devotion. And when I think about people picking up stakes and moving continents away, when I think about forsaking father, mother, uh, children, grandchildren, when I think about all those things, and when I think about the sacrifices made and the sacrifices that people have made, oh, my soul. When I think about missionaries that buried their wives and husbands on the foreign field and foreign soil, and when I think about all those things, I'm telling you. But the Bible says that we are to love, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy cardia, with all thy heart. It's not talking about the blood pump. What is it talking about? I think it's more than a feeling and more than an affection. I use the term devotion because I can't find a bigger word 
that takes in what I'm talking about. That we have devoted our lives to Him. And we are, He is the potter, we are the clay, we sing it, mold me and make me after Thy will. Is that right? That's what I'm willing to do, the song said. Take my houses and lands, my dreams and my plans. That's what I'm willing to do. And because of that, we have to every morning give our minds to the Lord. And maybe your prayer ought to start out something like this. Lord, I love you, but I don't love you like I ought to. Lord, help me to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind. And Christ said, this is the first and great commandment. Let's bow our heads together. We trust today's message was a help to you. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you join us. Sunday school at 945, morning worship at 11, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Anchor Baptist Church is located at 3232 Hendersonville Highway in Pisgah Forest, North Carolina. May the Lord bless you, and we look forward to meeting with you again soon.